Have you ever looked at someone thriving in their business and wondered, how did they do it? Have you ever thought that you can't have mental health and success? Have you doubted your own ability to create a financially thriving career that still has your well-being at the forefront? Well, welcome to the Boardroom Brain Podcast, where we tackle those very questions. I'm Dr. Lauren Cook, and I'm a clinical psychologist and speaker that takes you behind the business and inside the minds of today's most successful and personally thriving leaders. We're taking a look at our guests' secrets to success, how they bounce back when they've been knocked down, and what advice they have for you. Oh, and I've got another motive too. As a clinician and company consultant who frequently sees employees struggling mentally and knocking on the door of burnout, I'm invested in having conversations about how we can bring more wellness into company culture. I wanna make sure that everyone has the absolute best work experience that we all can have. And I believe that includes making sure our businesses are invested in their employees as people, not just as time card stampers and payroll lists. So get excited to listen, learn, and leverage your own leadership skills. These conversations will help you tap into your own bravery while helping you reprioritize your sense of well-being, both at work and when you're off the clock. So step inside the conference room with me and welcome to the boardroom. Your brain is about to get a major bonus. Welcome to the Boardroom Brain, everyone. I am thrilled to have you here today. I'm your host, Dr. Lauren Cook. Oh my goodness, we have an amazing guest joining us. Her story is going to inspire you in so many ways. I want to tell you about Elise today. At age 21, Elise Mislanik had only $63 to her name. Now, fast forward 10 years, and she's now in the top 3% of women-owned businesses. Yes, you heard that right. Elise and her team have taken redefined advisors from $1,500 in monthly recurring revenue to more than $1 million in annual recurring revenue in less than one year. Now, Elise's childhood inspired her work in improving the educational system for children in need. She understands the significant role that education plays in stopping cycles of generational poverty and founded Redefined Advisors to solve that exact problem. Elise believes that all children should have access to quality education. Elise, when I heard about you, I knew we needed to have you on the show because what an incredible story. Thank you so much for coming on today. Yeah, thank you for having me, Lauren. I'm, I'm really excited to be here. Oh, well, let's dive in. I've, I've got some questions queued up for you here. One question we love to ask on the show to kick it off for our friends watching on YouTube. You always see the bookcase behind me. And I love <laughs> to read. We have the boardroom. Uh, well, we obviously have the boardroom brain podcast, but we also have the brain health book club where we're always featuring different psychology, self-help books. Elise, anything that you've read recently or maybe a book that you love that was just a game changer for you that our listeners should know about? Yeah, it's so interesting that that's the question that you ask all of your podcast uh, guests because I am currently reading um, Rage Becomes Her, which is um, really a deep dive into how anger can be positive and how we should embrace it. And I'm writing a memoir currently. So I've put the bat on the back burner other people's books um and currently really diving into my story and and getting the pen to paper and getting that completed oh I can't wait for that I I'm in the book writing process myself I'm in the editing stage with my editor and it's a whole process do you know the timeline of your book so we can keep an eye out on it 
Sure. So we should have um, the final manuscript around June. So we're in the beginning stages. The first chapter is written. And I just look forward to having my story out there, you know, and and just being able to go through every single up and down that I've gone through and and see where you are now. You know, I think it's so cathartic. Uh, well, let, let's get into your story. You know, uh, I think many people would agree that being intentional about making sure our children uh, get the education that we need, you know, what drew you to this? Tell us a little bit about what makes you so passionate about children's education specifically. Yes. Yeah, so when I was uh, growing up, we came from an economically disadvantaged family. Um, and there was um, some struggle, some trauma that uh, we went through as in our childhood. And I was fortunate enough to receive a need-based scholarship to attend another school. And it came at a great time because I was really seen in the school that I was at as like a defiant child, right? Mm -hmm. And it wasn't necessarily me being defiant, but I would always ask why. Mm. You know, because I look back now and it's because I needed to be tied to that purpose, but oftentimes it came across as defiant. So I received that scholarship and it made it affordable for me to go to a different school. Mm. And while I was there, I just felt seen and loved and felt worthy that, yeah, maybe I can you know, break this cycle of generational trauma, you know, and mm -hmm. it gave me so much inspiration to go forward in life and make something of everything that I had been through. So that has been so important to me, mm -hmm. realizing that through a simple act of kindness, through a tax credit program in Pennsylvania, someone redirected their tax dollars to the scholarship fund for me. Mm -hmm. And I realized, wow, like that was such a pivotal moment, such a catalyst to, to growth for me that I wanted to make sure that I did that as much as I could for other kids to give them that hand up that they need. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. And do you feel like that was a, a huge turning point in your life, getting that opportunity? Do you think that changed the trajectory of things for you? I mean, that that's a, an amazing opportunity that came into play, it sounds like. Yeah, it, it definitely played a role. Um, I think for the first time, I really was surrounded by just such a diverse community where I had not been in my previous educational experience. And so that was kind of the start of me realizing like things could be different. Mm -hmm. Now it would take me several years <laughs> to actually make changes. But looking back on my life, it definitely was the start of that wheel kind of turning in Hey, I think you can make it. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's that's incredible. And tell us where redefined comes into the picture with this. How redefined is is maybe making this possible for other kids too? Sure. So um, I was um, just six weeks postpartum. I gave birth to my third child, and I had this feeling that I needed to start my own company and start raising these funds for kids that the same scholarships as I received and I kept ignoring it because I thought like this is a terrible time 
<laughs> to actually go and like quit my job and start a business. But it just kept getting more uncomfortable in my skin every single day that I would ignore it. And one day I called my coworker and I said, I'm going to do this. I have never believed in myself. I think just with the childhood that I had, I never felt confident enough in myself. And I was like, I'm in my thirties now I'm going to do it. Right. Mm -hmm. So I did, I quit my job and I started redefine advisors, which is a development company for non-public and private schools where we can raise financial aid um, for underprivileged students for that school. So students can attend Mm -hmm. um, with uh, no matter what their financial background is, right. And give kids that opportunity. But we sit here today um, in our first year, we raised $8.5 million for student. Yeah. (laughs) It's been amazing and it will affect and impact nearly 10,000 students in our state over the next two years. So for me, I look back and I think, wow, boy, whatever was telling me that I needed to do this was absolutely right. And no wonder it was uncomfortable to ignore Mm -hmm. that kind of feeling that I needed to go out and do this because our, our first year, we proved that we could really make it happen. And I use a lot, like, that 8.5, our team is amazing. And what we've done is use a lot of my story to show them like Mm. by all accounts, by every statistic, I should not be here. Do you Mm. know what I mean? Like I should not be here. But because of that scholarship, it played such a role in reversing the path that I was on. And how cool would it be if they all, all these donors came together and made it happen. Mm. And it really did. And it's, It's been wonderful to see hundreds um, of donors come together and redirect the taxes that they already are paying. They get to redirect them to these uh, scholarship programs. So yeah, it's been, it's been so cool. (laughs) Yes. That's amazing. That is so inspiring. I think people are just, are going to be floored when they hear that. And let's bring this now to every state. I know you're in Pennsylvania. This is incredible. I mean, what what changed for you? I, I think people will hear that and, and, you know, people may be at a place too. I hear all the time of like, do I stay at my job? Do I leave? What do I do? You know, what changed for you? Was it having your third kiddo or what was the thing that made the difference to, to switch? That's such a good question. I think it's a two-part answer. So number one, I guess I do have a little bit of a defiant streak. So I had an old boss that just kind of told me like I couldn't do it. Right. And that's never a good thing to do to me. (laughs) So, um, yeah, that drove me to the point where I was like, no, I'm tired of having people limit me and tell me what boundaries and what boxes that I should fit in. Mm. And I was also really like postpartum. So I, (laughs) you know how that goes, but I had just had my third, um, child Isaac and I just kept looking at their faces and I kept remembering that I want them to know that they can forge their own path Mm. and how unkind or wrong of me to not show them by actions Mm. that they can do that. Right. So I remember my mom telling me all of these wonderful philosophical 
um, you know, pieces of advice, right? But if she wasn't putting them into action, that's not really how I learned, right? So it was really important for me to put that action behind what I'm trying to teach my kids. Oh, what a beautiful example to really practice what you preach and show. I'm the same way, you know, if we're ever going to work through imposter syndrome, we have to behaviorally show ourselves we can do it. We can't just talk about it. You know, I'm pregnant myself right now with my first one. So it's so exciting. Congratulations. (laughs) Thank you. I'm super excited. Little, little boy on the way. Um, but you know, it does, we've had a lot of parents on the show and it seems like having kids changes the perspective sometimes on things. Yes, it, it really does. And I always, when I was growing up, I just would remember thinking about the situations that I was in and, and what it would be like and what I would do when I had my own kids, right? Mm-hmm. And it turns out that you know, I was probably a little hard on my mom Mm. because I didn't realize all the things she was going through and she had four kids. And now that I have three, it's, it's wild (laughs) there. I mean, it is, it's wild and it's hard. And you have three kids, you're a wife, you're, you're starting and creating a business. And it just, I can see looking back, like some of the mistakes that I, faulted my mom for weren't really mistakes. It was just kind of being overloaded with so many different things. And yeah, kids, kids change so much about who you are. And I always say they push you to every emotional limit that you could possibly feel. And it's beautiful though, because you, you don't even, I didn't have the type of that capacity to love in the way that I do now before I had kids, it like opened up so many different chambers. <laughs> I, I don't know how to explain it, but then, you know, they do something wild and you're like, oh my gosh, you know? And then two seconds later, they say, I love you, mommy. And I'm melted. So <laughs> <laughs> I I love that. It opens you up in all the ways you feel all the, I had a friend say the other day, it's the highest of highs and sometimes the lowest of lows, you know, yes. you the whole spectrum. So yes. Speaking of kids, I'm curious. I mean, Elise, you're you're clearly an amazing person. I mean, the fact that you you start this and what a success it's become. I'm curious, like when you look back on me, Elise, as a little kid, I know you say, like, I had that defiant streak, which has is such a strength. Do you feel like that's been there all along and that's what's helped you get to this place now? Or do you feel like you've cultivated things along the way that have gotten you to this point? That's a really good question. I, because I was going through like so much trauma at home, I was probably that really weird daughter that I would walk to like this church by myself and convince myself like I wanted to be a nun. And I just would find refuge really in this church in like fifth grade. It was so wild looking back, but, um, and I would write in my journal And I remember saying like, this can, I remember, this cannot be the existence that God has in store for me. Mm -hmm. I will change this cycle. I have that in my journal. And so I think that I've refined my defiance, if that makes sense. I think it's always been there. And I've always known that if I could just hold on to that light 
in dark times and just find it, that there was beauty waiting for me as I got older. So, but I did, I mean, I was, I was a defiant child, but you look back at it, especially when you think about psychology and how trauma um, and those trauma responses affect your behavior. I look back and I'm like, yeah, I need to show myself grace and how I responded because of what I was going through. But yeah, I think I've refined Mm. the defiance and focused (laughs) it a little bit more. (laughs) Diamond continues to get polished, it sounds like. And and I hear also, there was such a sense of hope in you too. Like this, this will change with me. Like I have hope that it can get better. You know, I'm curious if you do have maybe any words of inspiration for somebody listening today who is lacking some hope in their life, whether they're anywhere from a teenager to somebody kind of maybe going through a midlife crisis. Like how were you able to channel that hope and keep going? Um, First, for anyone going through those dark times, I have been there. I have been driving in my car at nighttime, slamming the steering wheel saying, God, what do you want from me? I cannot, I cannot take any more, take it off of me. And I would cry at just driving around like this cannot be my life. I would say that you have to find beauty in something. And I know this sounds so small, but I remember not having any hope. And I decided I'm going to find beauty in the sunrise, Mm -hmm. right? And just knowing and seeing that come up every day, that steady sunrise that you could count on, right? When you couldn't count on anything else, that knowing I could count on that every morning was so powerful to me. Mm -hmm. And for those that are going through it, trust me, I, I know it is hard and it seems dark, but you have it in you. It is in there, right? It is in there. And you just have to connect with it. Mm, mm. I so agree with that. I, I'm such a big proponent of of gratitude, which I think is in a really similar vein, you know, and the idea that like gratitude is not about ignoring our pains, you know, or pushing it to the side, but just making a little bit more room to see that there are still little bits of goodness happening in our lives. You know, we need that to hold us out. Absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Mm, Okay, so hope for you has been such a central feature. You know, we talk a lot on this show about mental health. That is a a big staple in the work that we do. I mean, how do you make your mental health a priority now as a business owner, taking this on as a mom? Like, how do you integrate your own mental health in your journey? Sure. So (laughs) it's funny. I did not learn this until my 30s. So it took me a long time. Um, to, it took me a long time to realize that every part of who I was was shaped from all those, all the trauma that I'd been through. Right. So like even how I talked to my husband or how I looked at my kids or all of those things were shaped by past experiences. So for me, it took a lot of therapy, (laughs) a lot to try to figure out, who I was, right? Like, I think for so long, when you are going through a hard time, it's almost weird how much we mold ourselves to our trauma. Mm. And then you're scared to let that go because then it's like how you define yourself, right? And for me, 
So what I do now is I really try my best, especially with, you know, family that have hurt me, right? Mm-hmm. Or, you know, certain people that have really done me wrong. I really try to get in their shoes and realize like if I was them, right? And had been through everything that they had been, how would have I reacted, right? Like how, and they didn't heal, right? And so I actually have a lot of empathy and sadness for them because they responded in that way because they had not healed themselves. Hmm. And one of the other things that I do is I look at a picture of myself at six years old. Hmm. And for all the times that I'm told it's my fault and it was my fault and you deserved it and all of those other things. When I feel like that, I look at that picture Hmm. and I'm like, there's no way. There's no way. And I look at my kids and I'm like, there's no way. There's no way that girl deserved what had happened, you know? Mm-hmm. So those are the things that I do. And, and in my business, I am very, we got really lucky because we can kind of pick and choose the clients that we bring on. Right. Mm-hmm. And we know the word no, <laughs> like <laughs> we're not scared to say no, if it's going to overload us or, you know, throw us off in our lives. We created this company because we want to enjoy our families and also make a difference. So we are very aware of that. And it's at the forefront of who we are and our mission and our values of the company. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and I'm curious, like, how are you seeing this play out? Like, have you been able to do you like partner with any specific kids or do you get to find out where these scholarships go? Like, how are you seeing this directly change lives? Yeah. So it's really cool. We, um, I do know who all of, all of those scholarships go to, which is really, really cool. That is phenomenal. Um, but I also created the, it's called the triumph over tragedy scholarship award. Um, and it's additional funding that I personally, like our company personally gives to students that have really, you know, overcome some unspeakable trauma, right? So that to me is awesome to see those students get that kind of hand up. But we see it play out a little bit, but I always say like, we're not even at the point where we're gonna see the change. Because for me, it took me until like my late twenties to realize like this scholarship was a big turning point in my life, right? So oftentimes the same thing with like teachers, they won't know their true impact until many decades later sometimes. So I look forward to just seeing it play out year over year. And I I think in that first year, I don't think we'll see the type of impact yet because I it's generational. Yes, yes. You are creating generational change, which is it's it's beyond inspiring. It, it really is. And and I think, you know, a lot of people listening are, are, are maybe thinking, this is amazing. Like, how did she do this? Like, <laughs> tell, tell folks a little bit who may have the same passion, but maybe don't know what skills they need to cultivate to do this. Like, how were you able to do this? Is this, did you teach yourself about how to develop a company or did you have a great mentor? Like, how did you know all the steps you needed to take? Well, first and foremost, I would recommend 
anyone interested to take a real estate class. And I know that sounds wild because real estate and scholarships is not something that's like uh, related. But in the real estate classes, I learned so much about business and like profit and it was eye-opening to me. And then I did have a background in banking. Okay. So I went to um, uh, real estate school, graduated there, and then sold real estate for a while, came back to Pennsylvania, started into banking because the real estate market was not like it was in Charlotte. So I went into banking and that was also really cool because I worked with businesses, saw their cash flow, but no joke. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm almost embarrassed to say this, but I learned most of my stuff. I go down these rabbit holes researching online Mm -hmm. and I learned so much stuff from like genuinely YouTube and Google and, and I do self-teach myself um, a lot. But the other thing that has helped, and I would not be here today, I have the best team. Mm. And it is so important. Anyone that's starting out, you have to find someone that believes in the mission as much as you, right? And that also has skills that you don't have, right? So I know a lot about my, I've taken several personality tests, like in corporate America, right? So I know how my brain kind of works. Um, and what I've learned is I'm really the person for the front end of the idea, right? So I'm that vision mm-hmm. and I need someone behind me figuring out how to make that vision come to life. Mm-hmm. Yes. Right. The implementer. I am not someone that can implement, but I can give you the idea and I can tell you how I envision it playing out. Um, but I was very selective in who I brought with me. And I also was that way because I believe so deeply that we should not be paying employees 10 bucks an hour. I don't, I don't believe it. So I, um, I have pensions for my employees and I, I put a lot of funds, right? I don't have, I have, we have wonderful profit, right? but I spend a lot more than other companies on overhead for employees by choice because they deserve it. So I want to make sure that I hire employees that like really understand that impact Mm -hmm. and can help us get there. So choose the right people, not Mm -hmm. people that are just like, yes, people, right? Like you can't have people that are always going to tell you, yes, you have to have those ones that are like, at least that was a terrible idea, right? Like you need people to be honest with you and kind of reel you back in on what reality is, especially when you are someone that is visionary in, in wanting, you know, that ideal situation to have someone reel it back in. Mm. Oh, that is such great advice there. And it sounds like you treat your staff so well, you know, I think companies would work so much better if there was so much more of a focus on mental health for team members and making sure that people are financially well supported. Talk about a way to have more mental health in your life. That is one way mm-hmm. and it sounds like you do that. Yes. I always say like, we don't have like a PTO policy. I don't, I've never created one. I, take your days off. Like I if you have a doctor's appointment for your child, like just text and let us know. Like I will never, you will never have to call me in the morning worried because your child's sick and you don't want to call off work and have like all of that stress. I remember being there working at the bank and 
like being so nervous because my son was sick and I, how could I call off? No, we don't play that <laughs> at our, in our company. No, it is genuinely, I just no, need to know that your work's getting done. I don't care if it only takes you 20 hours to do it. I'm going to pay you 40. And if you're doing it in 20, more power to you. That's amazing, right? Like I'm not going to put more onto you. I hired you for this specific role, right? And if you're completing that role, that's all I could ask for. At the end of the day, it's just a job and life goes on. And I never, ever, ever want to have an employee feel like scared to call, like yeah. to call me or or call our operations and say like, hey, like, I don't want that. That's not what this is about. It's, it really is. We're doing good. We're doing good work. And that's, that's the story here. Not, you know, making yeah. our employees work all the time. <laughs> you sound like dream boss. I feel like you <laughs> listen to this interview and be like, uh, how do I get a hold of that? <laughs> I do have so many people. It's funny that you say that because we uh, work with a lot of schools mm. and we have had about a dozen staff from the schools that we work with, reach out to me privately and say like, Hey, are you hiring? And we're not, you know, right now, but it is really cool that they recognize that. And for much of my team, like the most they had ever made was like $11, right. An hour, like these companies would just kind of take advantage of them. And here they are like making good money. Right. And they have pension and they have life insurance and they have all of these things that like do not cost them anything. They're not paying for their benefits out of their paycheck. Like we just pay that, right? And it does make such a difference. So I would encourage more businesses to really look at that because when I tell you my team is on it and committed and they are like the mover shakers, like so adaptable to whatever the mission is because they know that whatever happens, we will take care of them. And as the company grows, so will their financial impact in their family, right? And when they have that trust in the company, you can't beat it. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, and speaking of that, where do you see Redefined going? Like what's the path ahead? Sure. That's a good question. So for Redefined, we actually just developed this really cool um, enrollment technology capability that, um, basically makes the admission process for um, non-public and private schools um, much better in that only 4%, this is crazy, only 4% of interested families that go to a school's website actually make the first contact. Wow. Only 4%. So then there's like private schools that are trying to grow enrollment off only 4%. Well, our technology actually unlocks the other 96%. Which is phenomenal. So now they can actually reach out and talk about financial aid and try to get them in. Um, so we actually just released that today. Um, and it's unlock the 96%.com and they can go on and it's um, just a subscription service where when we set it up, it just runs and they get all of that contact information so that they can build their email lists and, and newsletter um, databases. So it is really, really cool. So we are definitely looking to go further with that. And then also more states have implemented this tax credit program. There's, I think, 13 now. Oh, okay. 
Yes. And we just uh, successfully the last six months raised about $5 million just off Zoom. <laughs> off Zoom. And we wanted to test that first before we went into other states because uh, we don't want to be traveling out of state when we have kids. So we were like, well, let's try if we can, you know, raise money through Zoom, then we can enter other states. And it, it worked. So we're looking forward to, we just entered into Georgia. They have what's called the Grace Program. And so, yeah, we look forward to making an impact all across the U.S. because kids, there needs to be equity in education, regardless of income, geographical, geographic location, right? So I don't, you know, Pennsylvania is my home state. So yes, I care about it, right? But I care about kids in California, Texas, Georgia, like all of the states, and they all deserve a hand up. So that's, we won't stop until we get to that point. <laughs> oh, that is amazing. I, I'm so excited that we're we're featuring this today because people need to be hearing about this. Tell us, how do you, as you manage all of this, what are your secrets to success in terms of well-being? Like, do you have any daily practices that you do to keep yourself grounded, to not let burnout get a hold of you? Or maybe you're like, no, Lauren, I am a little burned out, to be honest. But but how do you manage your own self-care and well-being through all this? I It goes back to that kind of nature. Um, so when I do feel myself, and again, I do it, I have um, a really bad thing with like noises. So if things like someone's talking, I can't, it, it really like fries me. Right. So I will actually remove myself outside and listen to gospel music while I look up at the stars and the sun, right. Depending on what time it is, because that really grounds me just to see like, I am this big, right. Like, and my problems are even smaller. Right. And so that has always really helped me to just take a time out because I never want to be like how I grew up where you just snap, right? Like, I don't want that. And so I, I recognize now, like, take a deep breath, walk outside and just connect with the world, right? Before you make problems, you know? Amen. Amen. It sounds like we're both believers. We don't talk <laughs> too much on this show about faith necessarily, but honestly, you know, faith is a huge part of people's lives. It, it's not just, you know, to your family life or your personal life. It's a part of your professional life too, you know? And I don't know if you feel comfortable sharing that. If, if, if your faith has made an impact in the work you do or who you are as a person today, but but I, I get hints from you that, that it's been <laughs> something that's been a big part of your journey. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, so I converted to being Catholic whenever I was in fifth grade, going to just myself. I was the only one in my family. And I just decided in fifth grade, I was going to become Catholic. But it was really not maybe, I know this sounds maybe awful, but it wasn't necessarily about the faith itself. It was, I would look at these nuns and I would look at these priests and they had nothing, but they had joy. And I just wanted that so badly. I wanted whatever joy that they had to be mine, right? So um, for me, I feel like I'm that typical statistic of like a millennial where I believe, mm -hmm. right? There, for me, there is no other explanation, right? Like there, there is something, right? But I don't follow strictly a religion, but I am extremely spiritual and um, it gets me through so much. And ha if I didn't have that, 
I wouldn't be here, you know? So, um, not necessarily so religious, but spiritual. And I think, I think most millennials feel like that where they're not, you know, people are getting away, it seems from, you know, that strict, you know, religion and, and more identifying with spirituality and, Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, it does. It plays a, a big role and it did for me. And it, it allowed me to hang on through some really, really tough times. Oh, thank you for, for sharing that. I, I appreciate that because, you know, we're so multidimensional as people. We're not, you know, one thing is not it with our healing. It's a lot of different things. And, and let's be real. Spirituality is a big part of that, I think, for a mm-hmm. lot of folks. Uh Absolutely. Last question I have for you, Elise, and we always have our book question to start and our our last question to end. What do you hope your legacy is going to be? I think about that all the time. I think that if I can eventually with um, my my book and um, some of the, the stories and reporting that I'm working on right now, my goal is I hope that people see like I really love them you know like I really cared and even if it's a stranger like I feel their feelings and I don't know how to explain I just feel them like (laughs) and I I want them to know that like it was really hard to get to that place but that I always saw the light Mm. how beautiful my goodness it sounds like you are a true empath that you use that heart for such good oh my gosh just the work you're doing it sounds like it comes from such a place of just pure love for others so I think that's going to resonate so much with everybody here today my spirits are lifted my goodness I think everybody else's will be as well (laughs) to connect with you Elise, where can people connect with you and continue the conversation to keep learning about Redefine and who you are, your book? Sure, yes. So um, LinkedIn, I'm on LinkedIn. It's I am always there. I love that uh, platform. It's one of the only ones that I really use. And then our website is redefiningeducation.org. Mm-hmm. So you can go on, um, especially for those that were interested in the uh, Triumph Over Tragedy Scholarship, you can go on and just apply for that scholarship right on the website, which is pretty cool. But yeah, LinkedIn, um, I'm excited to have like a release date for the book. And I hope that it helps other, you know, women, um, business owners see like, it can feel really desperate sometimes, right? But if we just hold on and keep going with that belief in ourselves, we can really make it happen. Keep looking for the sunrises. The sun is going to rise. So yes. Uh, Elise, what a gift to have you on the show today. Keep spreading your light, your own sunrise, and you are sunrise into the world. So keep spreading that. Thank you so much for coming on the show. You're welcome. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for tuning in for today's episode of the Boardroom Brain Podcast. Let's cultivate those networking skills starting today. Share this episode with someone who could benefit from listening and leave a comment and review to let me know what you think. Subscribe to get all the latest episodes and don't hesitate to tell me who you'd love to hear on the podcast. Don't forget that you're always welcome to watch the YouTube version of these episodes as well if you'd like to experience this conversation visually. I always welcome your feedback and I hope today's dialogue sparked your own insights. 
Here's to fostering those healthy brains, both in the boardroom and beyond. <laughs>